Welcome back, everybody. Thoughts from the Shade, episode 53. Wherever you're listening, Apple, Spotify, your preferred podcast platform, hit that subscribe button. Leave the fellas a nice rating or review. Five stars preferably, but if you're uh, inclined to leave something less this week, I'd understand. Uh, we're, we're a little bit late this week. Some would say I didn't want to show my face or, or bring my voice onto this podcast uh, after the Game 2 drubbing of the Tampa Bay Lightning, my pick, by the Colorado Avalanche. Um, but the truth is, Bomb took Tuesday night off to watch the AO1 charity softball game hosted <laughs> by Carson Wentz. So let's just throw it over to Bomb and see how he's doing. What's tonight. up, G? How are you, buddy? We're doing well, man. You know how my weekend was. But we'll, 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 we'll get to that later. Save that for later. We'll get to that later. Uh, also, got to wish all of our fathers out there. I know we have a lot of newer fathers uh, as listeners of the show here, so we got to wish them a happy belated Father's Day. Uh, just respect respect the hard work uh, that, that these guys put in uh, as a non-father myself but uh a non-father yeah i'm not a father that's a new that's a new uh terminology do do you uh do you check the non-father box on your tax return every year non-father i have to talk to my accountant (laughs) (laughs) any anything of note from the weekend for you we'll get into it later all right well uh (laughs) let's let's just get right down to it then uh stanley cup final as i mentioned uh, it didn't look good for me in my pick, the Tampa Bay Lightning. But Monday night, they bounced back at home. Amelie Arena down in Tampa, 6-2 win uh, over the Avalanche. Avalanche took the first two games at home, 4-3 uh, to three on the Andre Burakovsky winner in overtime uh, in game two, Saturday night. Uh, I was excited to sit down and, and watch the game Saturday night. Wasn't much of a game. I honestly felt like I was watching uh, – you know, a mid-season Flyers game, a team that can't break the puck out of their own zone, uh, a team that can't make one tape-to-tape pass. It was really shocking to see Tampa Bay look as rattled as they did. Uh, but I think, Bomb, we might be able to attribute that to your theory that you brought up pre-cup final of the altitude. They were huffing puffing, weren't they? A hundred percent, dude. And they weren't winning any battles of the puck. You know, they weren't finishing shifts, finishing checks. Uh, they they look like a they honestly they look like a team on the back end of a championship run. Like you could totally see them losing this series. Like 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 a team where they just get old fast. A lot of times, I think you see that more in like football or or baseball. Um, less so maybe in hockey or or basketball because to get to get this far in the Stanley Cup playoffs, you've already gone through a grind. But I don't know, man. I think a lot of it has to do with the altitude. I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that Colorado was well-rested. They're a younger team, so they're going to have their legs earlier in a series. We saw what happened in Game 3. Big blowout win in front of the uh, the faithful at Amelie. And, uh, yeah, tonight here, as of recording, we're about 30 minutes before puck drop. Uh, in terms of... Uh, you know, the spread here, we got Tampa Bay plus one and a half. Puck line minus 250. Uh, and then money line, uh, looks like Colorado's a slight 
slight favorite at minus 118. Tampa's at minus 103. I, I like the Lightning to tie this up. I don't know if this is one of those series that maybe just happens to, to be uh, blow for blow based on where the home game is. But as, as this series gets longer, look for Tampa Bay's experience. Look for Tampa Bay's uh, you know championship pedigree, if you will, to really come out. I think they take control of this series and, and win, win it. Yeah, I, I kind of like them tonight as well. We'll see. We'll see how these these picks age. But I think I think you made a good point. As the series gets longer, it's gotta it's gotta favor Tampa Bay in terms of purely hockey. You talk about the coaching and and John Cooper and get getting the guys to adjust uh, to the swarm that that is Colorado and the speed and the skill. Um, but yeah, I, I I would attribute that that game two performance t- to the altitude. Um, it's a real thing. Those guys don't play in it, and they don't. They always say the second game in the altitude is tougher than the first. So, like, I feel like a lot of people are talking that Tampa didn't really show show out in game one, but I thought they did. They they fell in a three one hole. Their goalie didn't play that well. They fought back uh, and took it to overtime and and lost on a on a nice play by Colorado. And then game two, you know, they had no air in the lungs, and, and they get home. They get energized by the crowd get the win and uh i think i think we're in for a long series it's been a treat to watch so far uh hopefully we get more games like game one than than games two and three but uh you talked about tampa bay and how many games they played and all the long runs the last couple of years well here's one for you uh a tweet that i i had to save for the podcast uh as i'm watching the stanley cup final this year tampa bay lightning defenseman 23 year old mikhail sergachev playing in his 89th career playoff game tonight. 23 years old, 89th career playoff game. This was in game three. The Philadelphia Flyers have played 57 playoff games in total since 2010-2011. So this guy's 23 years old. He's played 89 playoff games. Flyers since 2010-2011 have played 57 playoff games. Well, I mean, what you're discounting are the great, the great runs of uh, a, a guy like Keith Yandel. Uh, a guy who's an Iron Man, um, you know, can that guy play hundreds of games in a row for a floundering team? I don't think so. So, um, no, it's a pretty impressive stat. It goes to show you, you know, what it kind of reminds me of. Remember those like those teams like the early two thousand different sport, but like the, those Florida Marlins teams that would make the playoffs the year they wanted against the Yankees. Like a guy like Miguel Cabrera, just like. At age like 19, 20, 23, whatever it is, like playing in like high leverage situations. And you just, you realize early on when you see these guys, like, do you have it or don't you have it? And, you know, clearly Tampa with their mix of veterans and a little bit of youth uh, has a winning formula. I, I worry a little bit about Kucherov, of, uh, you know, what happened there at the end of game three. We'll see what happens tonight. I don't know if you have an update, but pretty nasty spill. He came right off the ice after a shot on the power play. Look like a bit of a cheap shot, and I'll just add before you before you jump in. You know, we talked last episode about how if this series goes long, we think the advantage is to Colorado due to the altitude. I've totally flipped on that. The reason why is I can't stand Colorado. Uh, uh, I think they're a bunch of punks. We saw it at the end of Game Three. They were losing by three or four goals. They refused to pull the goalie. Uh, they wanted to keep the score where it was at the end of the game, but then they're you know scrumming. Then they're throwing hands and they're, you know, mixing it up with guys. I, I think they're a bunch of cheap shot 
cheap shot artists. I think they're a bunch of guys who just want to dangle and pretend like they're playing shell on the fucking Xbox. Um, so, you know, I'll fully admit uh, a lot of that is tainting my view on the Avalanche, but I, I like the Lightning here. But I don't know if you have anything on Kucherov. Kucherov, I believe, is in uh, for game four. Yeah, he took took the shot, the little cross check from Devontae's. Yeah, it fell awkwardly. Um, I believe he's in. I, I haven't checked any pregame tweets, but uh, in the morning, John Cooper said same lineup as game three for Tampa Bay. But I feel the same as you about Colorado. Like, I talked about how I, I enjoy the lightning and the way they play, kind of the, the workmanlike style that they play, and how, like, I find myself pulling for them even though they keep winning, and a lot of people don't. But I just watch this Colorado team. Yes, they're fast. Yes, they're skilled. Uh, yes, they're fun to watch. They they are fun to watch. It's high energy. Um, but I, I don't know. I can't get over these guys like McKinnon and McCarr, like dancing around, skate, skating, stick handling. Um, so so maybe I'm not a, a true hockey guy. Maybe that makes me a, not a true hockey guy. But No, you're a respect the game guy. Like I said it to you before we recorded the podcast. It, it's like Patrick Mahomes versus Tom Brady. You have Patrick Mahomes – He's running wild outside of the pocket. He's making sidearm throws. He's making behind the back throws. And then you got Tom Brady who takes a three or five stop, three or five step drop and fires a bullet and then picks you apart. You know, right, right into the hands. Like it's just, it's just methodical. Uh, it's calculated and, and it's just consistent. And that's how I feel about Tampa Bay and the, and the way they play. Yeah, they they have some guys like Cooch uh, and and Stamkos that ha- have a lot of skill. Uh, and Stamkos, dude, I mean. You talk about like a like a real captain, um, like that that guy's getting up there in age. He's he's battled back from broken legs. I mean, I think he missed uh, he missed the first Cup final. He tried to play one game. He comes in, scores a goal on a broken leg, and then goes out and they win it. I mean, this guy's like wine. He's just getting better with age. They go down two zero. He he says, you know, time to get giddy up. See what we're made of. And the guy goes out. He's he's pe- making passes to Pilat. He's burying goals in the slot. Uh, just un- unbelievable leadership out of the guy. And, again, you just think about Giroux. And, and, sure, maybe he had a little less talent around him, but, I mean, Stamkos just puts a guy like that, you know, in the wash. I don't even think it's close. I mean, I don't think Giroux, even at his peak, was even half the player Stamkos was. We were talking off off air about the Giroux decision, not not to pivot to him, but, you know, trade deadline – he didn't really allow the Flyers to go out and seek trades with multiple parties and maximize his value. He was dead set on the Florida Panthers. And at the time, if you recall, your boy Bomb said, why doesn't this guy want to go to Colorado and win a cup? We attributed some of it to getting ready at altitude. Um, I mean, he would have had months to prepare and train, etc. We attribute some of it to him wanting to be in the same time zone as his family, which is, I think, reasonable. But you have a different theory, G. What's your theory? I do? Yeah. I don't know if I remember. You got to remind me now. <laughs> you said he didn't want to be a healthy scratch in a Stanley Cup final team. I did say that the other day. <laughs> I mean, it, it, maybe it's a little outrageous, but, like, you watch the pace that Colorado plays with. You watch the skill. He'd be on, he'd be on the, third, the third line at best. Punched over. Yeah. Gasping for air. I mean, it was it was a little bit of a stretch, but like, if he went to Florida and put them over the top, they would have said he was the piece. But like, if yep. he if he went to Colorado and they won, he would have been like a nice ad. 
Like he wouldn't have been yeah. he wouldn't have been the piece. They got plenty of pieces there. They 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 don't need him. No. But like Giroux doesn't push them over Tampa Bay. It's just He might win you a face off in the second period with with nine thirteen left. Yeah, I, I I hate to kill the guy, but no, kill him. You, you got to be a little bit realistic, and, and he, I th- I think he gave everything he had, you know, for the Flyers, and and that organization certainly wasn't enough. Yeah, well, it certainly wasn't enough, but that that organization and the the higher powers certainly did, didn't give him give him enough either. So there's there's blame to go everywhere, uh, on, on that situation and and his legacy as a Flyer. Um, I don't know if he had any anything else in the final, but I'm 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 sticking true with Tampa Bay, man, like. I think they get better as every series goes on. You saw it against the Rangers. They got boat raced in game one. They lost a cl- close game two. They were down 2 nothing in game three, and they come back and, and win four straight. I think if they can win game four, if you're Colorado going back back home for game five, all the pressure's on them, and if the Lightning steal that, it's a done deal. Yep, t- totally agree. Um, before the series, we were talking about the fact that I thought that uh, you know, the house was kind of trying to goad people into taking taking the lightning just the way the odds were set with Colorado as the favorite. I uh, I waited. I actually in-game bet them in game one, cashed out early when they came back, then turned around after they lost game one and put money on them to win the series. I feel the same way now. After watch, you, you got to watch. That's the thing about some of these 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 bets that you make before you know before a series or bets that you're thinking about for how a series might go. Sometimes you do have to watch the first few games and get a pulse and say, all right, like you know, what do we see here? For me, I'm rolling with the Lightning. Yeah, and and those early games are definitely feeling out processes. You saw a little bit of it in, in game one, uh, game two. Obviously, there was just, there was no feeling out. It was just a drubbing, and but. You got to look at a team like Tampa Bay, the pedigree, the resume. You knew you knew they weren't going to just lay down. So, uh, will be an interesting rest of the series. Uh, but it is June, and there's news about the Flyers. Uh, even though they're not playing games, so we got to talk about it. Uh, obviously, the announcement was made. The rumors were swirling. The deal was finalized. The Flyers have hired John Tortorella. I believe, as the 23rd head coach in franchise history. Uh, I think he's up to 63 years old. Last coached the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, spent some time with the Rangers. Won the Stanley Cup in 04 with the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, and took this past year off uh, to do some analysis for ESPN's new NHL broadcast. Uh, I thought something that was interesting that came out about the Flyers coaching search, and I, I'd love to get your reaction on this, bomb, but before they pivoted to Tortorella, they offered Barry Trotz seven mil a year, which I think would have made him the highest paid coach in hockey. So the Flyers offered Barry Trotz the the ultimate bag. He'd be the highest paid coach in hockey. The guy turned it down. I mean, what is what does that say about the state of this franchise, the state of this team, the state of this front office, uh, all of the above? Well, it tells you where they, how they're viewed within the league, right? Because Trotz is a hockey guy. He's he's been in the division. He he probably knows the cupboard is so bare. Um, Seven million ain't gonna do it. To to give you reference, Brian Kelly, who leaves Notre Dame to go to LSU, got ten years, ninety five million. So in terms of like an annual amount, nine point five mil. Um, 
granted, you can recruit at LSU. I'm not sure you can recruit at the Philadelphia Flyers. So Trotz turns down the seven million a year. They go with they go with the second guy, Torts. And I can't help but think about the parallels here, right? Uh, with the Philadelphia Phillies back in the day, it's not like Charlie Manuel was a guy that anyone wanted. In some ways, he was like the second or third option when he took over when he took over the team. Uh, back before, I guess after what was it, Boa? Yep. Um, so when Boa got canned, there was a lot of talk about Jimmy Leland, and they just couldn't they couldn't get the deal done. Leland goes to the Tigers. Uh, the Tigers make a push. They make a run to the World Series. Phillies fans everywhere think, what the hell are we doing with this 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 bumbling idiot, Charlie Manuel? And he proves them wrong. So it's a long way of saying, yes, the search may have netted a primary candidate that doesn't end up with the team. But in the long run, that may very well be a good thing. Just because the guy was the secondary candidate doesn't mean that you lost. This guy still has to go out there and do his job. He still has to go out there and motivate the team. And for for a team that is young and supposedly has pieces, and it's all we hear about is the pieces, and Hextall did this and that, and young talent, these guys need a boot in their ass. And we know that John Tortorella is going to give that to them. I totally agree. Um, yeah, I, I like the hire. I mean, I, I, do, I, I read up on the Flyers a lot and – follow all the flyers people on on twitter and all the people that that like to to mash into the keyboard about you know throwing their fists on the table about how they don't they don't like to hire and it's a retread well you look around the league every everybody's a retread at this point i mean pete DeBoer is like is like the town bicycle at this point he was with new jersey he was with san jose he was with vegas he just got hired by the dallas stars and then you have paul maurice going from winnipeg to florida so everybody's a retread so i don't want to hear that and the the thing I like about Torts is like I'm not we talk about co-signing like we talk about the Sixers fans co-signing yep. the process we talked about the Wentz Warshippers co-signing Wentz and, and his antics mm-hmm. um, I'm not co-signing this hire for success and winning I will be I mean I I don't I don't I, I don't know how to say it I don't, I don't doubt it I, I believe in this guy a little bit but at the same time you look at the Flyers organization I don't think Jesus Christ could come down from the sky on, on Easter Sunday and, and rise from the dead and bring his disciples as his assistants and, and get this team to consistent success and ultimately a, ultimately a Stanley Cup but the reason that I like this hire is that this team has been so bad they can't break out of their own zone they can't make a decent line change. They can't make a tape-to-tape pass. They are going to get an earful from John Tortorella on a on a daily basis, in the rink, outside of the rink, uh, everywhere, about how they're not doing their job the right way. And that's what I love about the hire. Like I have no doubts that this guy is going to preach accountability. Uh, he's going to try to get them to play to a certain standard. That's what he talked about. He doesn't like the word culture. He likes the word standard. He's going to set a standard, and, and if people don't play to it, they're not going to play. They'll find a, He'll work with Fletcher to, to get them traded. They'll be sent down to the minors. Whatever, whatever has to be done, if these guys aren't bought in and, and given 110 
and actually playing the sport of hockey the way it's meant to be played, then they're going to hear about it and then they're going to be gone. So that's why I love the hire because this guy is going to let, let these stiffs know that we have, he's going to let them know that they're stiffs and it's either pick it up or get the fuck out. So you said something, he's going to, he's going to work with Fletcher to, to move, you know, get them moved, moved on or traded or whatever. He's got a reputation of bullying GMs in terms of being an agent of change. And if I can make a parallel, maybe for, you know, these guys who maybe aren't big hockey fans, reminds me a bit of like a Bill Parcells type where he's coaching the team. He wants input on personnel. He wants input on roster management, which frankly, this team is starving for. Uh, Fletcher's done nothing. It's been pathetic the way these teams have been built over the years. Uh, so I'm excited to hear if Tortorella and actually see if Tortorella can be an, an agent of change. The other thing I wanted to call out is this guy's reputation. So there's there's a quote here from uh, Brandon Dubinsky, right? Uh, uh, he played under Tortorella for eight seasons when he was with the Rangers and the Blue Jackets. He once referred to his ex-coach as a shit show in a story by The Athletic. And I quote via The Athletic, quote, it wasn't a good year. We weren't getting along. I didn't agree with the decisions he was making for me. So for me, Columbus was a fresh start. I was energized and excited. I was back to playing the way I knew how to play. Kind of sounds a little bit like a me guy. So you hear some of that and you think to yourself, well, hang on, like, what's this guy's reputation? Well, it just so happens that a newer flyer, Cam Atkinson, the guy they got from Columbus, they got rid of that stiff Voracek. Thank God he's out of here. He was a fraud. A, he was the Bobby Abreu of ice hockey, just stuffing the stat sheet. Uh, Cam Atkinson, in fact, called the Flyers soft this year, and he thinks Tortorella could change the mindset. Here's what he said via the New York Post. Quote, I think it all starts with practice. You practice how you play. Especially when I turned pro, I learned that from John Tortorella. He was great in that aspect. I think going into next year, we need to find a way to have some more grit, some more jam, some more F you to our game. On both sides of the puck, in our crease, defending our goalie, and in their crease. That's from a guy who was here for 82 games. He noticed that in every aspect of their hockey game, there was a deficiency. So I am fired up. I will co-sign this hire. Wow, Bob's co-signing. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting to hear Atkinson. I, I don't know if you mentioned the uh, the tweet from like the Flyers and then Atkinson retweeted with the LFG, the let's fucking go. Uh, but yeah, you, you alluded to it. I mean, th- this guy came out after the hire, Atkinson, and said like, I, I knew halfway through the season that we needed we needed a guy like Torts. I mean, maybe maybe they didn't specifically need Torts himself, but they needed like a kick in the ass. They needed somebody to hold them accountable. Like they they just needed an entire new standard uh, because whatever has been going on for the last ten fifteen years, this purgatory that we've been stuck in. That's how everybody's playing to that that nonsense, which which is no good. Um, but. I mean, let's just hear. Uh, I know you like the clip. Um, I love the clip. Let Let's hear uh, a quick snippet uh, from Tortorella about the job that he is going to do as the Flyers head coach. Job uh, is to push athletes to levels that they're not used to getting to, and I'm going to do that. Uh, 
Uh, I've made mistakes. I've pushed too hard at certain times and I've made mistakes along the way. But that is my job. And, I, and, I, and I'm going to do it fairly and I'm always going to do it honestly. They will always know why. The nonsense about hardness and quitting on you, I don't buy it and I never will. He talked about nonsense, about bullying and quitting on guys like like du- the Dubinskys out there. Yep. Another guy who didn't who didn't like the hire or who who snapped on Twitter about the hire was Matthew Barnaby. You remember him? He was a scumbag. He he, he was a career long scumbag. Uh, he certainly didn't light up the stat sheet. Uh, I mean, I'd have to check the records, but. He wasn't a prolific scorer or a prolific player. He's he just a prolific jerk off. Yeah, he was a prolific asshole uh, on the ice. But now he's 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 here to try to push guys, get them outside of their comfort zone, uh, to be the best they can be. I mean, what more could you ask for? There was no. I mean, he had a forty-five minute presser. He's been doing all these media tours. There's no mention of gritty. He's not excited to meet gritty. Uh, <laughs> Who's who's been the biggest piece of entertainment? For Are the they going to be slinging and, grilled cheeses on G's return night? What a fucking joke that franchise has been. I mean, Grady, Grady's been been the star of the show ever since uh, his uh, he was born or whatever the hell you want to say since his inception. But there's no talk he of that. Was born. He, he 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 talks about meeting the guys, getting getting to know the guys, coaching the guys, bringing the best out of the guys. I I like it. I know he's he's going to be a hardo. I know there's going to be things that he says that people don't love. But I think this is the guy that they needed at this time. I really do. Couldn't agree more, G. All right, well, let's move on. I don't think I had anything else there. Um, got to talk a little golf. I mean, before we talk about our personal golf, we got to talk about professionals. The professionals, the guys that can actually hit it a little bit. Uh, U.S. Open uh, up in Massachusetts at the Country Club. Uh, we talked last week. Ultimately, Matthew Fitzpatrick. It's his first PGA Tour win. First American win, I believe, uh, with the major title uh, at the U.S. Open with a score of 600 par. Uh, Will Zalatoris and Scotty Scheffler tied for second at 500 par. Uh, I believe I saw a stat that he hit like 17 of 18 greens in his final round. He had some incredible shots in on the back nine there. Uh, I think it was 15. He hit a drive way off the fairway. He was in some some fortunately beaten down shit uh, that the fans were standing on. But then he had the whole crowd, you know, drawn out his line into the hole. He had over 200 yards out. He sticks it tight. I, I believe he made birdie. That kind of set him apart. And then on 18, he snaps the drive into the trap and hits an absolute dime from the trap uh, to make to make a par. Zalatoris needed needed the birdie uh, to to force the playoff, and I thought he hit a good putt. It just didn't go. Wasn't shocked. Uh, you know, there's the videos of Zalatoris' stroke out there that I'm not in love with uh, as a guy who can roll the flat stick a little bit. Hey, yo, yeah, I'm gonna pump myself. Willie up a little Z, bit. if you're listening, come talk to our boy G. He I'm, would he would have secured that freaking trophy for you, buddy. Th- this is like you saying that you could go and dice up Mary, and I I, I believe that I'm a better putter than Will Zalatoris. I believe you're a better putter than half of the fucking guys on tour. After what I saw this weekend, yeah, yeah, we'll we'll we'll, we'll get to it. But no, I mean, I I thought it was a good tournament, uh, g- good win for Fitz. Happy to see a guy like that win. Um, you know, he won at the Country Club, I believe, uh, as as a young uh, amateur, 
and then he got, he had the big win, obviously, on Sunday. But you know, you looked at that leaderboard, you didn't see a lot of those live guys at the top of that leaderboard, did you, Bob? I mean, any takeaways from from the U.S. Open? No, I mean, I was surprised to see this guy Fitzpatrick up there. Obviously, cool to see uh, cool to see Scotty up there. Um, Willie Z always seems to play well in these events, but yeah, I wanted to see a playoff, but. A couple things stood out. Number one, this guy putts with the stick in. That's a red flag. Like, this guy's never going to win again. I, I wanted to ask you about that. I mean, you and I play a lot of golf together. I don't, I don't really think we're ever sticking. You actually had a, a, an incident yourself. On, a on, a on big hole, incident. On hole one on Sunday. You had a downhill putt from, from the rough from the fringe. Or, or from the fringe. Somebody asked you if you wanted out. You said, leave it in. Came It, in, it came, was downhill. Downhill. It came in hot. It hit the st- stick dead on and, and, and didn't go in. Um it probably would have gone in if if the stick wasn't in, but I, I agreed with with your call there. But any any putt that's on the green, unless it's severely downhill, you got you got to take that bitch out, open it up, bigger target. Uh, I, I'm with you. I don't, I don't know how it fits. It's just so jarring seeing it on TV because like depending upon the camera angle, you may very well be looking through a stick to watch him putt, which is so bizarre to me. But no, you got to give this guy some credit. I was reading a little bit about about Fitzpatrick and obviously crashing onto the scene with this U.S. Open win. He, he's a guy who really is focused on performance. So he's got uh, a, a guy who's a, a, a biomechanical coach for him, a Ph.D. in sports biomechanics. He's got another guy that's, a, you know, all these guys have kind of like this these physiology-type dudes, these elite performance coaches. But it sounds like from all accounts, this guy Fitzpatrick was willing to stick with a plan, you know, basically over years. So, uh, this particular season, his average club head speed on tour increased five miles an hour compared to 2019. His strokes gained, uh, off the tee ranking this year's 10th, three years ago it was 59th. So you can tell that this guy has been grinding. Uh, I also read a statistic, or I should say a little story about the statistics he keeps personally. Apparently, he has an archive or a notebook that he archives of all of his shots and not not the total yardage, but where they land. So basically, every single seven iron that he's hit over the last 10 years he knows the, the basically like, you know, the distance at which it lands. And if, even if it, let's say, let's say he's got a, a, a seven iron that he hits, uh, let's say a buck, a buck 65, right? And the pin is 172. So, you know, what's that? Seven, seven yards further. And it's, and it's right of his landing area. If he holds out, Apparently, he counts that as like seven yards too long and five yards too far right. So he keeps very... When you think about these guys who are so data-driven and they use a lot of statistics that are generated when you're on tour, sometimes they are misleading depending upon how far a ball rolls out, what you want a ball to do. This guy keeps apparently has kept his own statistics for all these years and knows exactly... Hey, when I got to hit a seven iron or a six iron this distance, I wanted to do this. I wanted to do that. It, I mean, it's unbelievable the level of detail this guy has worked through. And whether that's sustainable by winning multiple things, I, you know, I don't know. Probably not. 
But to give a guy an edge where maybe he's a one, two, three, or four-time winner on tour, wins a major, is kind of one of those guys that's fleeting. Yeah, that kind of stuff matters, man. It allows you to peak at the, at the right moment if you're playing good golf. Is he going DeChambeau on everybody? Well, you know, I don't know if he's ever going full DeChambeau. I think I think he was asked about kind of the, the muscle that he's put on and the, and the gain and the swing speed that they alluded to, and I think he told told somebody, like, yeah, I passed the piss test. <laughs> like he, he he shot that shit right down, but yeah, it was uh, it was a good watch, good tournament, uh, tough track. I mean, you saw Rory McIlroy struggling ar- around the trap uh, the one day and, and trying to hit it out of that high shit. Uh, it was nasty out there, and you're kind of used to seeing these guys in these tournaments. The scores are ten, fifteen, twenty under for for the win, and one guy cracks cracks the uh, the the five underline. It gets the job done, so it's it's kind of nice as as a stiff uh, to to watch these guys struggle a little bit. You, you saw the the fellow I don't even know his name uh, snapping the club over his knee. And, that was beautiful. And, and throwing the putter. Um, I don't know. Some some people say it's bad for the game. It's bad etiquette. Me as a bum that gets frustrated when I'm not playing well. I I love to see that because just it just goes to show you that all all these guys hit bad shots. And we shouldn't be so hard on ourselves out there as bombs ourselves. That putter throw was an epic putter throw. Did that putter break? Did, uh, did, did no, we see? I didn't see, but that thing was like flung. Yeah. Like he, he probably threw that farther than his, his 60 degree wedge, like carries. Yeah, that was that that was full bore. Um I mean any anything else in the open? No, let's let's get to the to the topic of interest here. Yeah, we got uh, so obviously the travelers, the PGA tour rolls on this weekend. We got we got the travelers, um, but more news from the Live Golf League. Uh, the the big name this week that's going over uh, is none other than Brooks Kepka, a guy that before the U.S. Open uh, was asked about the Live League. Uh, he totally kind of brushed it off didn't want to talk about how he didn't want to talk about it it hasn't crossed his mind he's here trying to win a major championship uh and then the the, the u.s open ends and and lo and behold the, the guy's going to live so i think and i i can't i can't take any credit for this uh my, my boy ranger rob actually gave, gave me this but he said that brooks kepka is the blake bortles of golf and i i, I kind of couldn't agree more and he's very fit for for live. I mean, he's said in the past how he only plays golf because he's good at it, and he makes a ton of money. Like he he doesn't really love the game, so he's just elevating the money. Yeah, was, was Bortles good at the game? Yeah, no, but like he's got like that same vibe. Like if you weren't playing football, what would you be doing? Oh, I'd be doing construction and so, smoking cigs. It's like Brooks Koepka would probably be doing the same thing if he wasn't playing golf. He just is yeah. good at it and makes a ton of cash. So. Uh, he's ultimately going to go uh, to Portland, Oregon next weekend uh, for the next live event and, and stack the cash and not worry about anything else. Uh, he'll, he'll be like Dustin Johnson, take the other 40 weeks of the year off and just, just be happy making cash and not trying to build a uh, a resume or a legacy on the PGA Tour. Yeah, I mean, I don't have much else to add. Uh I said it last week. I want to be a live guy. I want to. I want to watch a different style, experience a different style. Um, 
I'm turning quickly though, G. You know I sent them a, a, a request for press passes at the event in Bedminster. I wanted to see if we could get thoughts from the shade there live from live. They haven't gotten back to me. Um, Fuck them. And I'll just say, I think it's disgusting. If you go on their website, I was poking around to see if we can get some press passes. They have a website specific, obviously, to the event in Bedminster I was looking at. Whereby, if you want to volunteer, you can shuttle around the players. You can help with guest information. They have different categories in which you can volunteer at the live event. They're seeking 500 volunteers to help with the event in Bedminster, okay? Uh, uh, You could be a ranger. You could do all these things. These guys are getting $100 million to come play golf for three fucking days, and you want me to fucking volunteer? You don't get the bomb a press pass. I'm sorry, I'm out. No compensation for the volunteers whatsoever. It's a fucking joke. They even give you a bottle of water to a freaking pot to piss in. And then they want you to wear navy navy pants. I mean, do you have navy pants? What is what am I going to wear? A fucking suit separate? I think that's all I got. Yeah, I mean, navy uh, Oh yeah, they you got to pro- wear navy pants and the bib. They they probably ride over my toes like that suit jacket I had. <laughs> For the record, I, I did I did dig up another jacket. I've been I've been looking spiffy at all the weddings I've been going to lately. I would hope with the cash I gave you this weekend, you got a new jacket from Macy's, but we'll get into that later. Yeah, the the the, uh, the looks back, I'm all good. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not going around wearing a blanket to weddings, thank God, but the, That's a dub. Uh, the 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 rumor the the other guy rumored early in the week was Colin Morikawa. I heard that. Which like I I I heard the rumor. I I don't I never really. I don't buy that. Yeah, I just didn't buy it. He came out on Twitter and, and Instagram and, and totally shut it down. His agent shut it down. He he's not a live guy. Colin Morikawa is just. Let me let me ask. Not you yet, but, ask but you he's not a live guy. So 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 remember in uh, was it twenty twenty one. It had to be 2021. Remember they had the remember the PGA Tour had the inaugural player impact program, the PIP. Okay. Where guys got paid basically a bag based off of moving the needle. So I think like in 21 uh I don't even know I don't even know the Tiger played, but I think he played in one tournament. And he finished atop the player impact program, the PIP cash. So Tiger got eight million bucks for for basically generating the most positive interest in the PGA Tour over the previous year. Runner up was Phil, six million dollars. Let's talk about the top ten. Number three, Rory McIlroy. Number four, Jordan Spieth. Number five, DeChambeau. Six, Justin Thomas. Those four guys each got three and a half million dollars for quote unquote generating the most positive interest in the PGA Tour. At 7, 8, 9, and 10, we're looking at $3 million apiece for Dustin Johnson, Brooks Kepka, John Rahm, and Bubba Watson. So the more I've digested this live thing and Mickelson saying it's a chance to change the, the game of golf, it's a chance to change how players are treated, let's not forget that in 2021 – the top 10 guys who quote-unquote generated the most positive interest in the PGA Tour got a collective 40 fucking million dollars. And to turn around, I don't know, six months later, 
and, and go to the live and, and get a bag and, and what basically want to play five weekends of the year, six weekends of the year. Kepka's a fraud. Uh, 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 DeChambeau's a fraud. That entire feud that they had was totally contrived to capture the pit money and to drive up their uh, price tag for the live. I don't think that's that's that crazy to say. I never thought of a pip as like a good thing. I didn't think you got more cash for going on a pip. It's like the NIL. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A pip. You yeah. know what a pip is. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think now that the Libs got eight of the top fifty golfers in the official world golf rankings, that doesn't really do it for me uh, at this point. But what about the guy? Well, not to cut you off, but what about the guy who's come this the seven million two hundred thousandth golfer in the world? Looks like he's playing in out in Portland this week. Yeah the uh, the thoughts from the Shade Instagram account <laughs> made it official uh, today. Wednesday, June twenty second, two thousand twenty two, uh, the 7.2 millionth ranked golfer in the world, uh, myself, G. Uh, I will be joining the live next weekend in Portland, Oregon. No, I'm, I'm, I'm just kidding. Um, I'm not a live guy. I'm, I'm just not. It, it hurts that that I was put on the graphic. Uh, we'll live with it. I'd like to think I'm a little bit higher than 7.2 millionth in the world, maybe like top five million. How many billion people are there on the planet? Yeah, but you think about golf. Like people say, if you can break a hundred, you're like better than most golfers. I mean, I'm not going to get into a waterfall chart here of where where you stand in the in the golfing. Uh, yeah, know, yeah. Let's let's population. Let's let's not babble on here. Let's actually hear uh, from from a listener, a, a fan. This uh, is good, guys. A guy who who had ha, I don't know if he had a bad day. I don't I don't know if he hit the sauce. I don't, I don't know what happened no, this, to this guy. This was no sauce. This but, was pure heart, is what this was. This is a guy who respects the sanctity of the PGA Tour. We'll just leave it at that. Let's hear from one of our listeners uh, as he responded to our discussion on Live Golf last week. This live segment is just everything I needed to hear. Dennis, you come out and say, look, I I'm, I want to support it. I want to check it out, you know, see what it's about. Yeah, I get it. People get curious, right? People get curious. And I think that's the thing. People are just a little curious about this. Um, you said you made an even better point when you said you kick off the shoes after a day of golf on Sunday and you're putting on the PGA Tour. And that's for two reasons. Number one, because the live isn't on which is a joke in it of itself. And number two is you'd be watching it anyway, even if the, the live was on, because guess what? The live fucking sucks. Wake up, shit blows. No one cares. Like you said, it's the Wentz League. They're all a bunch of Wentzes over there capturing the bag, fucking driving bobcats instead of golf carts. They're fucking losers. They're sandbaggers. They're fucking losers, every last one of them. And I include that fucking old degenerate gambler, Phil Mickelson. I'll throw him in there too. So, you know, they can enjoy their cash. You know, John Ram says, I want a fucking legacy. Look, they can go over there and fucking uh, tap their ruby, ruby, ruby red uh, fucking uh, shoes and, and, and sing their songs and, and, and go to walk down the fucking yellow brick road to the Wizard of Oz. But I want a fucking legacy. I want to fucking win and I want it to fucking mean something. I want people to, to turn around and say, damn, John Ram, that dude could play. What a legend. 
No one's saying that about anyone over at that live league. That joke of a league. You got Bryson DeChambeau. Well, it's a business decision. Well, you know, it's, it's a business. Well, how about this? How about you get fucked? How about that? No one gives a shit. He can get fucked with his long drives and his stupid fucking hat. He, he, Mr. Mr. Palmer, I, oh, well, Mr. Palmer was really proud of me. Mr. Palmer fucking is rolling in his grave at your Jeff Cap Joker goofy ass. <laughs> Dude, the, the, be, the best part of that is the Mr. Palmer and, and the DeChambeau. Mr. Palmer, Mr. Palmer. <laughs> Mr. Palmer will be... That... <laughs> <laughs> to that listener, to that listener, we thank you for that submission, and we thank you for your service and your passion. That that's one of the best things I've heard in a long time. But uh, I don't know if if you have a response, Bomb. But I just that was heated. Uh, I didn't warn about the uh, you know the frequency of the profanity, uh, but it's warranted when you when you have passion and. Uh, I, I just think about this live stuff and yeah, it's very new. Um, but it, so maybe it could get better, but it's ultimately, you know, gotten people riled up, which I think was, was part of the point. Uh, and I feel like most people at this point are either hard one way or hard the other. And, and you just heard a, a very loyal PGA tour guy. Well, is he a PGA? T- can he wear the logo on his hat? Like we need to get him over at a live event with the decked out in PGA tour swag. From like the PGA Tour Superstore or something. I mean, I don't see the Live Superstore giving me affordable wearables. He earned he earned it there. Um, I also saw something else that was kind of interesting. That this is like a whole. Uh, I don't like to use this word, but conspiracy that uh, you know was was contrived by the PGA, and that at some point it's going to be like the Live versus the PGA, like it's the AFC versus the NFC or the East versus the West, like that that's what they're building towards so it it is very early no uh and we're we're not we're not pro live right now but things are fluent things are constantly changing with this entire situation so we'll just keep an eye on it uh no live event this weekend so maybe, maybe we'll uh we'll look into the portland event next week well to that end and we'll, we'll close on this but th- this came out you know, at the end of business today, a comment from Jay Monahan, the PGA Tour Commissioner. So they are trying to actively increase purses, lighten up on the fall schedule, change the FedEx Cup playoffs. Um, basically, he said today, I'm not naive. If this is an arms race and if the only weapons here are dollar bills, the PGA Tour cannot compete. The PGA Tour, an American institution, can't compete with a foreign monarchy that is spending billions of dollars in an attempt to buy the game of golf. We welcome good, healthy competition. The Live Saudi Golf League is not that. It's an irrational threat, one not concerned with the return on investment or true growth of the game. I mean, I I, I, I find it hard to disagree with the guy. Um they, they tried to work with the players. They got this PIP, PIP thing, as I mentioned, in place a few years ago. All these guys got a couple mil for basically having a, maintaining a fucking Twitter account. And now they go and get the bag. And I'm all for free market. I'm all for capitalism. Believe me, I, I, I don't hate it. Um, but at the same time, like, don't act like you're getting mistreated 
playing professional golf on the PGA Tour as if you're up at the Giant bagging groceries making $8 an hour. I mean, that's just ridiculous. Yeah, it's so true. I mean, it's just, you know, the, the, the rich get richer, and it's it's sad that some of these guys have gripes about compensation when they're 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 the one percenters. Can I can I can I can I tell you why I mentioned Giant? Sure. So, uh, I'm up in the self check at checkout earlier uh, earlier this week, and there's a guy that that works there who um, who's always at the self checkout, just like making sure that things are wiped down. And uh, those are the best best people, by the way. Yeah, and he's like, uh, you know, I think he's like disabled mentally. Um, but you know, couldn't be nicer. I've, I've like dealt, obviously dealt with him whenever he's, you know, ringing the register. I used to be a, 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 a cashier back in the day, one of my first jobs at a grocery store. So I have a lot of respect for the type of work that, uh, that, that, you know, the blue collar people, the people on the front lines dealing with the public do every single day. And, um, in the self checkout and I overhear a conversation right at one of the other lanes and it's summer, right? It's June. And a guy says to this guy, he's like, look, uh, hey, uh, and he obviously knew him, right? Because he's in there shopping. And he goes, hey, I just want to let you know my son is starting uh, next week. He's coming in. He's a high school kid. He's coming in. It's, this is going to be a summer job. And uh, and uh, he's coming in to fill out the paperwork, and he'll be starting sometime in July. And you know what this guy said? He didn't say, the guy the guy working at the, the self-checkout and wiping everything down, he didn't say, what Phil Mickelson said. He didn't say what Brooks Kepka said. He didn't say what Dustin Johnson said. Oh, I need another 40 weeks off, this, that, and the other. He said, this is a, a great place to work. Management is fantastic. They treat everybody fairly. Your son is really going to like it here. And here I am bagging my shit, you know, grabbing my uh, 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 Stouffer's Kevin McAllister mac and cheese, right? And I thought to myself, wow, what a, what a nice change of pace. You never hear anybody say that anymore, let alone in the context of somebody going and chasing a bag uh, to play professional golf. So I figured I'd say that because uh, it, it just struck me in that moment that these guys are just out of control. It's a whole different world that they're living in, uh, you know, than us, us regular folks, us 15 handicaps, us working day jobs and bagging groceries and whatnot, but, uh, and, and not, not, not to ramble on about the live and the golf, but I, I think the PGA did come out today that they're going to do some format starting in the fall of 2023. Yeah. 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 Uh, I, I don't have the details in front of me, but a reduced schedule. So something different do, FedEx cup, something points. to appease, uh, maybe they need and, our FedEx cup point standings and, and to compete with, with the live golf. Uh, so the PGA is obviously, moving and shaking uh, as we go along here but yeah i mean we'll talk about our fedex cup points i don't know that we've ever officially announced it on the pod just go into it quickly bob and i are playing four majors this year uh we're through two number Should one we rebrand it in the playing four minors yeah four minors <laughs> yeah the, the four minors we should we, we are going to call it that now we're playing four minors this year head to head the first one was a town and country uh in new jersey uh bomb with a big win there uh we played this past sunday at lulu country club uh, i had the win there and bomb correct me if i'm wrong but it's a uh you know we play for a little bit more uh on on that day uh in a little match and then for the season 
Uh, it's two points for the overall match win, and then it's a half point for each hole uh, you know, that the winner wins by and each stroke that the winner wins by. Correct. Uh, so so it's, a, it's a point system. Bomb, I believe, earned nine and a half points, and mine are number one. I earned, I believe, 12 or yep. 12 and a half, so somewhere in that region, and minor number two. Uh, so through two minors, I have a slight lead. Uh, and before I toss it over to you, because... A slight lead in points, a monster lead in purse. Monster lead in purse. Before, I'll, I'll let you elaborate on the day, because I don't like to be kicked when I'm down. I, I don't want to no, kick... No, 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 uh, kick. I'm, I'm not, kick, I, whale. I, I, I can't kick you when I'm down. You you can't hear this. The only thing I'm going to do uh, for my performance on Sunday is give myself a round of applause. <laughs> so I'll just turn it – with that, I'll just turn it over to you uh, to talk about minor number two that, that went down. And I'll also just say before I give it to you, we had a great group of guys – uh, over at the club, they know who they are. They said they, they had to tune in after they saw what went down. So if they're listening, uh, just let those guys know. We, we had a great day out there. We had a nice fivesome going at the Lou. Yeah, couldn't have, couldn't have been better. Great day, and it, it wasn't that ball-breaking, humid or hot weather. Um, I came into this minor, minor number two, feeling confident, feeling good. Uh, the last four scores that I posted uh, were all scores that went towards my handicap. I shot on 84 at Lulu. I shot on 85 at Pinecrest. The day before this murder at the course, I shot on 88 at Lulu. Brought the old man out. Happy Father's Day. The whole thing. 88. Feeling good coming into Sunday. At least that's what I thought Saturday night. Your boy Bomb wakes up at 1.30 in the morning, uh, sick to his stomach. Uh, I don't want to give everybody the gory details here, but but what ended up happening Sunday was akin to... I mean, it was Jordan's flu game, except I just got crushed. I... I was yakking balls for about 45 minutes uh, between the hours of two and three. I believe this is related to the Jif peanut butter. I'm a Walmart brand guy. I believe the recall should be extended to Walmart brand. Uh, pure peanut butter. Bomb was yakking pure peanut butter between the hours of two and three. And gee, you actually moved the tea time up on us. I was uh, planning for a 12.30 tea time. We moved it up to... What was it, 10 20, 10 30? Two hours. So here I am. I mean, G's 10 toes up. The Stanley Cup final game was a blowout. He was in bed early. He got a full 10 hours of sleep. I have no Gatorade in the house. I went downstairs. I couldn't find the Advil. There was no Tylenol. Nothing to stop the throbbing headache. The electrolytes were pouring out of me. And all I could think about was wow, I cannot dodge this minor. I can't, I can't not show up the next day because. The previous week, I accused G of being a Dodger. He's not coming down to Caledonia. He's not coming down to True Blue. He doesn't want to get worked at, you know, at an away course. And I said, I can't dodge. So I showed up. That's about all I did. <laughs> that, yeah. Yeah, that's 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 about all he did. Uh, long and the short of it, 88 for me, 98 for Bomb. Well, should, should, we, start, should we maybe just take, you know, I don't want to get into the whole thing, but... We mentioned the first hole earlier. Uh, 
I have a putt that rejects off of the pin. The flag sticks out. I think in the first five holes, I had the rejection off the flag stick and two lip outs. A lip out on three and a lip out on... Four. I think four. Yeah, four. I'm down three through five. I should have brought the scorecard. I mean, I played like a total dickhead, but the turning point of the match was... Number nine. We get to we get to eight. Fairway green two putt. I take the hole. We, we, cut it to four. Well, you gotta and you gotta put in that you pressed. I pressed all over the place. I took the front by like I five. Rick, I, took, I Rick patinoed this fucking guy. I took the front by six. I think six or seven. That, sooner took the front by. Oh, you mean you won the front? The front match by the sixth hole. Yes. Yeah. I mean. The first nine netted out, you were up four through nine. Yeah, so you, you won eight, so you got it to you got it to four. I got it to four. And you nine, were up one on a press. And I'm up one on the press. Nine. Tell them about nine. Nine? I mean, I, 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 don't want to, I, don't, I don't really know what to say. I blow it right. I hit the green. I two-putt. Your boy G. Dude, he plays this bullshit style of golf, and it's so, it's so frustrating. <laughs> Because, and, and I didn't do it on this hole, but like when you hit a green in regulation, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to fucking two putt, take the par, walk away. That's not, that's not how G pars holes. G blows a drive left or right, chunks a second shot to fucking 70 or 80 yards. Doesn't really hit a wedge to fucking three feet, hits it to maybe 15 and rolls in a fucking one putt with his game improvement spider putter. So, <laughs> I... I'm sitting there. I mean, you, gee, like, I'm not kidding around. I'm on nine's green waiting for you to come up, thinking to myself, all right, easy two putt, cut it to three going into 10. This is a par five. Win the press. Let's too. get to work. Win the press. Let's, let's, let's cut it to two by 11, and we're in business as, as the course starts to open up. And I, it didn't even cross my mind that you were going to roll in like a 20-foot uphill putt. Oh, yeah. That's that always crosses my mind. I did hit the fairway on nine for the record. I duffed a, I don't know, probably eighty-five yard shot. Chip, chip to what forty? Chip chipped it to fifteen, twenty feet. It was twenty, and uh, <laughs> yeah, and rolled it in. I, I like I I don't like to gloat. Like I'm a stiff. Um, no, 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 no. But no. I, I don't gloat away. You're a putter. I don't think I missed a putt within fifteen feet on, on Sunday. When they flash those, so when you guys are watching the PGA Tour, I don't know if Liv has these statistics yet. But when you look at PGA Tour putting averages of like, oh, these guys are, you know, 80% inside five feet or, you know, 50% inside 10 feet or whatever the hell the, the statistic is, this guy is statistically better than those numbers. I'm not, I, I do a lot of hyperbole on this podcast. I am not fucking bullshitting you there. <laughs> this guy puts the, puts the fucking ball better than these PGA Tour guys. So we get the 10. So, so, so keep in mind, he rips my heart out on nine. I thought I was cutting it to three. He keeps it at four. We get to 10. Do we want to talk about what happened on the, on 10's green major controversy? Well, we, I think we got to talk about how we got there. I mean, you, you, you topped the drive that didn't reach the fairway. I, I went right. Uh, you hit, you busted your sh- second shot down there you, and then you had a look. Mm-hmm. You hit it left, it hit a tree, 
it looked very dead. Only bounce I got all day. Lo and behold, it ba- bounces out to the right into the playable area. And you had a chip on and a par putt. Uh, I reached the green in reg, par five, and probably had about 25, 25-ish feet for birdie. And, you know, everybody's on. I, I'm away. So I, I, don't, I don't know how this is my issue. I'm away, and I'm the one pulling the fucking flag. It's not your issue, but here's what you did do. You used it as an idiot. <laughs> okay. The, the the rules are very specific. You cannot use a third-party object as an aid, whether it's a club, whether it's one of the gentlemen we were playing with suggested it can't be a cigar. So G has maybe a 25-foot par putt. Birdie. Birdie putt. Birdie putt. He goes and he retrieves the stick, and he's carrying the stick, and he drops the stick halfway between his ball and the cup. Halfway is a little... Hyperbolic. Two thirds of the way between <laughs> your ball and the cup, pointed directly at the cup. So he drops the stick. We also had a little side action, some cart, you know, some card or partner uh, 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 gambling wagering going on. Yep. I turn to my partner. I go, uh, "You can't do that. That's illegal. What is he doing?" And he goes, "We'll wait for him to address the ball and make the stroke, and we'll call the penalty." So. G gets over the ball, hits the ball. The ball's on the, you know, halfway to the hole. It's still rolling. And my partner says, hey, we're, we're going to assess a penalty. That, <laughs> that is a, an, illegal, an illegal aid being used on the green, an illegal aid being used in the context of a swing or a stroke, whatever you want to call it. And frankly, G, you know, you know I love you. I know. You were indignant. Uh, this this was a guy who violated the rules of golf. <laughs> this was a guy who refused to grant relief to the bomb in minor number one when the rules suggested otherwise. He's using a flag stick as a putting aid to, to roll in his fucking 15th one putt, which is statistically impossible because it's the 10th hole, but somehow he's doing it. I mean, it was unbelievable. He was indignant. He goes, what are you fucking talking? He, he went nuts on the 10th green. And I said, gee, here's the deal, man. I'm not going to assess it. I'm going to be that guy because I want to earn it. And I proceeded to just get fucking waxed the rest of the day. Yeah, it wouldn't have made a difference. I, I, did, I, I did offer to... <laughs> but it would have gotten in your head. Yeah, it would have got in my head. I mean, you, you, you did try to get in my head, and I, I tripled the next hole. But I honestly didn't even know that rule. Um yeah. And I think I think I don't in all in all in all seriousness. I think, I think you know that. I, yeah, I think it, I just pulled the flag and, yeah. and dropped it and wanted to to, to keep keep the group moving. Um, but but, yeah. but to be clear, I I do, I do think that the way in which you dropped it and the line in which you dropped it at would have been in the context of a normal tournament assessed Illegal. a penalty. I that said, I don't think it affected your putt. I don't think you were even looking at it. But I'm looking for any edge I can get after you're fucking blowing a drive. You know, no matter what hole it was, it was drive, left, right, chop, chip, one putt. I hit like 50% of fairways the other day. No, it, you play I mean, B. I, I'll, pull, I'll pull up the numbers, man. You play B, C, C, O, golf. Blow, chop, chip, one putt. <laughs> and, you, and you lost by, what, 10 holes? I got boat raced. <laughs> I got what happened to me on Sunday. 
the fact that it's coming through your ears is a miracle, right? The FCC should be reaching out to Spotify and Apple Podcast and declaring this speech unlistenable because of what occurred on Sunday. It was a bloodbath. It was a boat race. Uh, every dog has its day. You played really well. Give the people the statistics. I mean, I could not get over. I said to G, I said, this is the best I've ever seen you drive the ball. And it's the best I've ever seen you putt the ball. You just, you just said I play BCC, blow, chop, chop. Well, it, comparatively speaking. Uh, the, st- the stats are uh, 50% of fairways hit, 17% greens and regs. So I think that's two or three greens. 17% greens and regs. How many putts? 29 putts. <laughs> <laughs> For an 88. It was tough uh, out there. It was a windy day. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I was good off the tee and good on the green. And in between was a little bit scrambly. So, so you said you had you had how many putts? Twenty nine. Twenty nine. So, uh, your boy Matt Matt Fitzpatrick, who won the, the U.S. Open, how many putts do you think he had on Sunday? Thirty. Thirty five. Wow. How many How many putts did he average per round during that? He hit seventeen greens though. Put, putts, it doesn't matter whether you hit it or whether you won. Put, it's the same damn thing. Putts per round. I don't know. Thirty two. 31. Yeah. The tour average in putts per round is 29. Well, I just got a lot of work to do on the rest of the game then, huh? <laughs> yeah. That's, let's let us let us leave it at that. It was a it was a good day, beautiful day, windy. Uh, we had we had a good time. You know, Bomb had his day. He's he's had multiple days against me, so he was due. Uh, ma- I almost said major, minor, minor, minor number three. TBD, we got we got two to go. Yeah, I got a little bit of a lead. We're we're gonna get it dialed up, uh, but I, I'm going to Bully Rock on Saturday. Oh man, with uh, the bully at Bully Rock with a with a loyal listener of this show. You know, I, he gives me a lot of heat, like like bomb, but we're we're not gonna say anything. We're just gonna show up on Saturday and, and play a beautiful golf course and and let let the game do the talking. So can we talk? about the square up that occurred in the in the clubhouse yeah i mean so so i want i want to i want to i want to go on record here and set a precedent i mentioned uh, we obviously played the minor we also played a uh, a smaller dollar amount match with uh with a couple partners that were in our our fivesome and I'm not looking for a tap on the back. I'm not looking for a tap on the butt. It was honorable, though. But the performance that I showed up with on Sunday was so despicable that I refused to allow my partner to Venmo the other side. And I just want to talk about that. Not not because I'm looking for accolades, but I want to I want to I want to get your take on that etiquette. A guy who plays maybe below his standard game. Like, let's fucking own that. If you're a golfer and 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 you're you're a guy who's not a guy who uh, who plays just the public tracks, you're a guy who's out there gambling, playing at you know your club, or going and playing on on the road with other guys who are members of private clubs. Like, we have to own the number that we play at. And when you play like a fucking bum, I'm sorry, that cash can't come out of your partner's wallet. If you play a match, you know, carts two versus two, and you might have won a hole or two. Two, but, but you weren't great. I had two pars the entire day. 
So if if you don't carry any weight or or win any holes, like yeah, you should definitely cover it for your partner, especially when it's a little bit lower than than the stakes that were being played in the minor. You know, just just throw it up for the guy. So so I know you're not asking for it, but I I commended the move. Uh, I've had many rounds where I've played cart matches, uh, and and didn't carry a fucking feather. So I, I've been there, and yeah, it was. It was an honorable thing to do. I I would say it's the right thing to do. If if you're playing a two v two match, and it, it might have been competitive, if it wasn't for you, you gotta own it. Yeah, you gotta sack up and just and just cut the check. Sack up and own it. Uh, so good on you, bomb. What goes around comes around. Minor number number three. We'll let everybody know when it's coming and i'd like to credit the people we put up a poll on the first hole the scorecard the people. names we said we said who do we who do we got today i think i think it was a 70 30 split the people had me uh well, the word of the flu game must have gotten around i mean i didn't i didn't know about the flu game till like two hours before the tea time i was desperately trying to replace electrolytes that's why yeah i didn't even speak but yeah bully rock uh Saturday, I'm looking forward to it. Maybe we'll we'll document a little bit of that with with one of our listeners, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll get minor number three on the calendar, and we'll go from there. And, and what I'll say too is, uh, obviously, if you're one of our loyal listeners and you're local to the Philadelphia area, if you want to get out and play some golf. Play some, uh, you know, matches with the boys. We're happy to do that. Let us know. Reach out. We'll get the cash flowing, and you too can be a segment on the pod. A hundred percent. Happy to play with anybody and everybody. All, all are welcome. With that, we'll transition. We gotta, we gotta talk a little Sixers basketball. We got the NBA draft, um, on. Thursday night, I believe. Who 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 gives a fuck? There, there's there, there's talks about uh you know there's talks about Matisse Thibel and, and the shop locker and trading uh the twenty third overall pick, but I think we've got I think I think we've got a bonus pick of the week, and it concerns not the draft, uh, but the Philadelphia seventy sixers, and obviously we're gonna pass it over to Bomb to close out this episode with the bone to pick of the week which is brought to you by shamrock sun the 50 spf sunscreen the big ass bottle 32 fluid ounces uh, that you need to protect yourself playing golf uh, at the pool on the beach hiking whatever you're doing outside this summer you need some shamrock sun on your skin keep you protected uh, check them out at shamrocksun.com on instagram and they're also available on Amazon. So get yourself a bottle, stay protected, and enjoy the summer. And with that, we will go to Bomb's Bone to Pick of the Week. Gee, I don't even know where to start here. Um, so we'll start with we'll start with the the homage, the the slide, the quote, dear Sixers fans, my life has been anything but predictable. But there have always been two constants, the Philadelphia 76ers and my love of building businesses. Michael Rubin, part owner of the Sixers, a guy who had a stake in 
His quote, not mine, a world-class ownership group led by Josh Harris and David Blitzer, a team that was led by, quote, a dynamic front office and coaching staff, and I quote, I shit you not, an unbelievable group of all-star players who are more committed than ever to bringing a title to the city of Philadelphia. Michael Rubin. He's stepping away. Uh, he he became a part of the ownership group of the Sixers back in 2011. At that point in time, he was just getting started with a small office in King of Prussia. Selling, of course, being the stand-up guy that he is, only licensed sports products online. Uh, today, though, a, a mere 11 years later, Michael Rubin has transformed Fanatics into a global digital sports platform across multiple businesses with more than 10,000 employees in 57 countries. How many of those people receive a, a, a living wage, G? We'll see. I don't know. I'm not sure. Will Rubin go on the record? No, of course he won't. Uh, serving nearly 100 million sports fans worldwide. So business is clearly booming. Uh, but, quote, so too have the obstacles he's had to navigate to ensure that our new businesses don't conflict with my responsibilities as part owner, I would argue, fucking fanboy of the Sixers. They're launching trading cards. They're launching collectibles. Uh, they're launching contracts with individual athletes. And get a load of this. Fanatics, the same fucking organization that printed this half-baked T-shirt that I ordered that came in with smudges all over the Nike dry fit that I had to send back and get my money back. This fucking moron wants to launch a sports betting operation. I mean, this guy, I mean, you got you got Penn National with Barstool, big presence, right? You got BetMGM. Locally, we got Parks. This fucking moron who can't win a fucking game as an owner wants to now win as a gambling expert. So the long and the short of it is the new businesses, the NFTs, the sports betting operations, they're all going to directly conflict with the ownership rules of the NBA. And here's the quote. Here's the bone. Here's the mega bone. Quote, given these realities, I will sadly be selling my stake in the Sixers and shifting from part owner back to lifelong fan. When you are lucky enough to be part of an ownership, ownership group that buys a sports franchise, you have one primary responsibility to your city, to win championships. Just like all of you, I'm obviously disappointed that we haven't yet accomplished that. However, I believe the team is very well positioned with a world-class ownership group, dynamic front office and coaching staff, unbelievable group of players who are more committed than ever, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Quote, to you and the best fans in all of sports, I feel fortunate to have had the opportunity to be a small part of this franchise. I thank you all from the bottom of my heart for the privilege of being involved with this organization. Look forward to rooting collectively and willing this team with you, with all of you, to multiple championships in the future, following in the footsteps of my childhood Sixers heroes, who happen to be Dr. J, Moses Malone's, and Maurice Cheeks. This guy is a fucking grifter. Let's just call it what it is, okay? This guy wants to pretend, Michael Rubin, wants to pretend like he's a Philadelphia guy, like he's a guy who bleeds Sixers red, blue, whatever color it is this year, right? 
depending upon whatever fucking New Jersey they want to sell through fucking fanatics. This scumbag was a part owner of the fucking New Jersey Devils. What kind of Philadelphian is a part owner of the New Jersey fucking Devils? He shows up to games wearing fucking hoodies and sweatpants like he just ran down near the fucking Italian market next to Rocky Balboa after he just flew in on his goddamn helicopter after securing a bag with Meek Mill. This is disgusting. This guy's a fraud. I invite him on the podcast to debate him and his stupid idiot face. I can't stand this guy, G. He's a bum. Look look at his Instagram. It's all about clout. It's all about the fucking check mark. He's boys with Robert Kraft. He's boys with Meek Mill. Who the hell's commenting on this story that he put up about the fact that he's selling the Sixers? The t- you you want to scroll down? Scroll down to the comments. Des Bryant putting up the fucking goat emoji. This guy's a scumbag. He went from age 14. Mommy and daddy bought him a fucking retail store up in Conshohocken where he was selling skis and fucking snowboards and boots and a winter jacket and, and, and scamming people out of their savings to go up to the fucking Poconos for a weekend when a rental would have done. And 20, 30, 40 years later, however old this fucking idiot is, he wants to tell me that he's still a lifelong fan. He's a fucking fraud. Let me ask you something, G. If you had the opportunity to buy a minority stake in the Flyers and you owned a business and all of a sudden that minority stake was going to conflict with your business, what do you do? Selling the business. That's right. This guy's a scumbag. This guy's a fraud. This guy is bombs bone to pick of the year. I've never pick liked of this the guy. Year. I've never liked this guy. He is a bozo, and he's always sitting courtside with the clout and the shoes and the Yeezys and the guys, and, you know, he's a big Toby guy, a Toby. I'm sure he was working with Sandler to get this new fucking bullshit Netflix movie filmed with the Sixers instead of the goddamn New York Knicks. They're a joke. This franchise is a fucking joke. Josh Harris and David Blitzer are scumbags. This guy, Ruben, is worse. At least we know. We knew from the jump. Ruben, or I should say, Harris and Blitzer were in it for the bag. Ruben played it off like it was under the guise of, I'm a Sixers fan. No, 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 no. This has never been about fandom. This is about stealing your cash, whether it's skis, whether it's a Philly shirt, whether it's NFTs, which are fucking nothing. They are worth nothing. An NFT, non-fungible token. What the fuck is a non-fungible token? In the year 3022... Like, do we expect that the grenades, uh, 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 you know, grenade, the grenade, the grenade of the bomb in, in, in 3022 or whatever the hell year it is, is going to have access to the NFT that I bought off Michael Rubin this year? That's not an heirloom. That's not something you can pass down. This guy's a fucking asshole. And I'm tired of social media. I'm tired of the legacy media. Throwing this guy up on a chariot as he rides off into the sunset to try to steal your cash in a gambling operation. Somebody has to put their foot down. Did I see that uh, he became he he came on as like a part partial owner in 2011? Yeah, like was it so that a decade? Yeah, so, he he co well he didn't co-sign. He signed. He signed. He sucked up everybody's cash for the process, and as soon as the process starts to look like. It's going to result with nothing. Give us nothing. He's out. 
there are there there are there aren't many more guys who I'd consider a bigger grifter than Michael Rubin. Carson Wentz, maybe. Carson Wentz, maybe. At least Wentz is putting his body on the line. At least he's yeah. going out there and earning a paycheck by showing up. What the hell has this guy ever done for that franchise? He hired the Action News helicopter to fucking hijack Meek Mill out of a state penitentiary to show up to ring a little bell at a playoff game before they get bounced in the fucking semis. This guy's a joke. I don't disagree. That, that, that's a bone, a bone well spent. It's just funny, funny to think that 2011 and now, I mean, what's really changed? Other than the hype, other than you went you went through the worst time in franchise history, aka the process, and now you're kind of back back into purgatory. Uh, I don't want to go down the Sixers rabbit hole. But Bob, do you have anything else on on the bone, or do you want to cool off? Well, you know me, I I like to hold these people people accountable. Uh, Shamrock's son uh, presents the bone to pick of the week every week. They attempted to comment on Michael Rubin's Instagram, his farewell message. Uh, the quote that they, I should say, the message uh, or, or or the 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 comment they they attempted to po- post on his particular um, post was, "You are a fraud." That was it, and uh, it got shot down. It's against Instagram's guidelines. We we can't hold billionaires accountable for being grifters and frauds. We 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 can't uh, build a business from the ground up selling. Uh, sunscreen, something that protects people instead of fucking skis and snowboards and bootstrap. This guy, I mean, I, you know, you said, do you want to cool off? No, 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 no. There's no cooling <laughs> off. There's no cooling. This is a lifelong fire. This is a lifelong fa- uh, a passion. This guy, if I ever saw him on the street, I'd say, hey, pal, you're a grifter. You're a fraud. Don't ever walk around the same fucking sidewalk as the bomb. Now I got to let you cool off. I'm 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 feeling I'm feeling the heat from across the table, folks. This is real. I'm just saying what it is. You can, yeah, I I don't disagree. Uh, but only you can articulate it as well as as you can, and that's bombs been to pick of the week. And, and you know, I'm not going to rip on Ruben here, but the, the thing I will rip on is he puts up this farewell post, right? And you click on the likes, you know. The, oh, there's you know thousands of likes on Instagram and you click and you just see the amount of brainwashed bozos that you're friends with that you are friends with you click and you say oh my god there's nine people that think this is a heartfelt great message it's unbelievable that's the world we live in man that's the world we live in but as always we thank you bomb for the bonnet pick of the week um I know we didn't get to the Phillies this week you know decent run lately but lost to lost two to the texas rangers uh today wednesday four to two they've lost three in a row they got a tough stretch coming up at san diego the braves um st louis a couple of times toronto miami before you get to the all-star break so yeah they're playing a little better but they got some real some real teams coming up so we'll see what they're made of there is Bryce Harper uh, re-entered the lineup today. Uh, we're almost to first intermission in game four of the Stanley Cup final. Tampa Bay up 1-0 to zero on Colorado. Bomb and I are going to shut it down, catch the rest of that game, uh, and enjoy our evening. 
Uh, so thank you for everybody. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, we'll give a quick shout out to our other sponsor, Menard Premium Detailing. Uh, the first in class, the premier auto detail business in Bucks County. Check them out at MenardPremiumDetailing.com. Uh, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, uh, if you're interested in getting your car spiffed out. Uh, again, wherever you're listening, subscribe, rate, review. And everybody have a great week. And we'll get back on track uh, in a timely matter next week. We'll talk to you then. Take care, everybody.